to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have your G1 recap. We talk about Death Before Dishonor. We talk about... Uh, a title match on AEW, Brian Danielson's return on AEW, and Vince McMahon is all elite. That and a whole bunch more tonight <laughs> on the Man for Ringside podcast. <laughs> It's that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Meth Before Dishonor. (laughs) (laughs) You are from Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) I've kicked kicked the can. Uh, Sitting across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? I'm just going to go ahead and say that this week is not going to be a safe haven. We're just going to go ahead and get that out the way. I, too, have kicked the can. And on that lovely note, I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 267, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saying, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the Holy Trinity of BFR. We're going to play a game of where were you here in a little bit. Outside of that, the normally packed show of wrestling talk and debate. I also forgot to mention that we're going to have our SummerSlam predictions. That, that was important, too. And out there in, I don't know where the hell he is. He's on the left coast somewhere. We yeah, have our West is in the two house. Two beers, Zach Pullman. What's going on, two beer? Yeah, uh, I am up um, near Olympic National Park. And I'm on vacation uh, with my wife's family. There's 16 of us. Um yeah, we got a big ass house uh, with um, game room that I'm sitting in now, and nobody's in it right now. So that's just where I'm chilling. And uh, yeah, so I'm not caught up on G1, but I've been able to watch some stuff. Death Before Dishonor, um, A Dub, and uh, this always happens to me. Uh, the, I do a vacation uh, during this period, like during the G1 every year. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it, and it pisses me off. Um, almost ruins the vacation because I don't get a chance to. Uh, watch the shit I want to watch, but uh, we're here for it. We're coming at you from rainy, <laughs> flood-ridden <laughs> St. Louis. Uh, for those of you that listen that are outside of the St. Louis area, it has been a hell of a week here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been... It rained so goddamn much. Was it Monday night? I mean... Feels right, yeah. A, a guy drowned in his car in the Central West End. Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. That's crazy talk. And I'm not trying to be funny. That guy had to be so fucking confused. Like, he had to think it was the end of the fucking world, which I guess it was for him. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to be funny. Sure. I, I, it, kind of, it kind of is for all of us, really. But the, but the Central West End is a neighborhood. I mean, right. it's, it's, not, it's not an area that floods. It's been fucking crazy. On the way out here, driving down 70 over the overpass, there was a semi-truck on fire driving driving <laughs> driving i mean the top of the semi truck was just billowing smoke i mean billowing smoke that was making people on the highway slow down yep. because i'm sure everybody else was like me like yeah. why the fuck is this semi truck on fire right I, i've never seen anything like it it was insane flames billowing out from the top of this truck from the top right next to the cab but not in the cab from the the part on the 
parcel above. It was insane. Okay. Insane. Insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Just seeing. I get hyper, I get hyperbolic about shit a lot of times. I'm saying the story that we're about to bring to you in the one count <laughs> is the biggest story <laughs> that has happened since BFR has started. I was just, yeah, I, I was going to say that. That's not hyperbole. No. Vince is out and... Wow. That's going to be what we have to start with unless uh, Jason wants to talk about no, Dalton no. Castle versus uh, the Righteous. <laughs> Hell no. No, no. I want shit on that later. But yeah, well, let's, let's kick this motherfucker let's off. Let's start with that three, that first count. JCB, kick it off. So, it, like I said, we're going to play the game of where were you when. I was on the way back to my apartment in between jobs and I would just happen to look at Twitter and... I saw Vince McMahon tw- uh, trending as usual, and I'm just like, God damn, what this motherfucker do now? I'm like, just, just sit somewhere in a hole. And of course, it's on Twitter where he basically announces his retirement. I'm not going to go into the exact tweet. You've seen it. I've seen it. Everybody's seen it. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it. I see the check mark verification. I'm looking at it. I'm, you know, I'm doing all the little tricks that you know maybe i'm getting is his, is his name spelled right you know it's a wwe behind the shit right. totally doing that whole shebang so i put it up on uh, friends of bfr like on mac, the- mac man or something. <laughs> right you motherfuckers so i put it on friends of bfr and i was just like you know hey believe it if you want i'm still a little cynical about shit because you know jason's been played before and anybody that's been you know is on dave Meltzer or whoever sean ross sap you know oh you guys are getting played look motherfucker if you've never been played in your life not one time about something you are the smartest motherfucker in the world and you need to be doing something that you're not doing currently now that being said i'm looking at this and i'm like damn this big man's retiring what the fuck man this is some crazy shit so i'm on the way home i'm driving and i turn it on sirius xm radio fight nation fight nation it has one of many uh, wrestling shows busted open. But at this point, it was about MMA, and I can't think of the name of the show. doesn't matter. They were talking about Vince McMahon right then. So that's why I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this shit might be real, real. So I got here. I'm chilling out and shit, and I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, and I'm like, damn, this shit's real. Damn, this shit's real. Vince McMahon obviously retires from the WWE after, I guess, it's... 40 years he got it in 82 yeah 20 okay yeah so it's 40 years just okay so let's just cut down to the chase me and tender mahar were talking about this briefly the other day and he was like you know i don't know how to feel about vince and he was like you know he's brought me so many good memories and i'm not going to sit here in line and say he hasn't one of my favorite matches in wrestling is Rock versus Hogan, the very first one. That is iconic, and you will never, ever, ever, ever take that away. Ever. Ever. I'm not going to sit up here and say Vince McMahon has done bad things, or good things, but he's done bad things as well. So I think both things ultimately can be said and be true in this statement. There's many things. Wrestling wouldn't be pop culture the way it is now aew wouldn't be a thing other wrestling promotions wouldn't be a thing if vince mcmahon wasn't who he was did he do it in a way that was always great not so much but that's how you get to the top unfortunately you gotta step on somebody's neck on the way up to the top and hopefully you stay up there 40 years before you end up getting your ultimate downfall and that's what vince mcmahon has done i'm not going to sit up here and said he would die in the chair 
He said it for years and years and years. I will die in the chair. And guess what? He ain't going to die, die in the, the chair. chair. I guess here is where we can start debating on, you know, at least the front part. And then we need to talk about creative because now Triple H is in charge of creative. So just kind of jumping forward, Triple H now in charge of creative and talent relations. So basically he's storyline and he's the guy that will bring other people back because people apparently love Triple H. So I'm not saying I don't. The black and gold NXT is one of my favorite brands on planet Earth. We discussed that on multiple occasions, but not neither here nor there. I'll just say this about Vince being retiring or whatever. Look, I'm not, I never said that this is a storyline or an angle, but I'm always, always looking with a third, fourth eye with WWE because you just don't know, okay? If Vince is truly taking a step back, now you can start talking about, you know, his place in history, if he's on your Mount Rushmore, what he's done for um, wrestling in general. I get all that. But like I said, for me, I think about the other things where about, I think about Owen Hart. I think about steroids. I think about, you know, now these allegations coming up. So for me, I'm not going to sit up here and say that Vince McMahon doesn't deserve his flowers. He does. But we also have to talk about these other things that's happened under his watch, knowingly under his watch and never done anything else about it. I'll kick it off. Two beer. What were your thoughts initially, and what are your thoughts now? Uh, whenever Jason sent that text to us, and then I looked into it. Right, that's why uh, I was, I too. Like, <laughs> like I, I got the text from Jason just like you did, and I was like, what? Okay, good. Yeah, so I immediately started, like, I came to you guys first. <laughs> yeah, I immediately, like, furiously started Googling and, um, you know, kept the Twitter timeline and all this. But uh, my initial reaction was like, I felt like I hit the lottery, not like a big one, <laughs> not like not like this mega million check pops that's going around, but just like one of those like hundred dollar scratch offs, just like that kind of feeling. <laughs> it just felt real good, and um, yeah, I mean, people are complex, and very few as complex as Vince McMahon, and it is possible to have complex, contradictory feelings about people uh, because they are complex. And uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate uh, Vince as the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. One of the greatest on screen performers of all time. Um, And I can also like hate him for what he's become and for what he's done, um, you know, to a variety of women, to a variety of people. Uh, But at the same time, like the product uh, that he put out at one time or another. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's possible to have all of those feelings. But uh, as of right now in 2022, when the product just keeps getting staler and staler, and really all we've kind of done for the past five years is to cry how much better it would be if just we got rid of this one guy um, who is the greatest promoter of all time. <laughs> but if he just retired, how much better it would be. We got it. Like, we did it. I mean, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> All right, everybody, self high five. All right, go ahead. I mean, Zach's point is actually not one that I've even thought about because we have always talked about like what would happen if Vince was gone. Now we get it. And it, it's probably going to take a while for 
any changes that happen creatively. We'll get creative to we'll get to the creative aspect of it in a little bit. Um, you know, Bill Cosby. There's that moment in the Bill. I watched the Bill Cosby documentary on Showtime that was made by W. Kamau Bell, where in that in that early episode of Bill Cosby when Theo is talking about maybe maybe you can stop looking at me like I'm a kid and maybe just look at me like I'm a, I'm your son. And Bill Cosby takes a beat and he goes, son. And he puts his arm on He goes, that's the dumbest shit I ever. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That still makes me laugh. Right. Woody Allen. Uh, he made Annie Hall. Annie Hall is still a great movie. Louis CK. Somebody that I used to watch the fuck out of me and Zach spent a lot of nights or spent a lot of time talking about Louis CK's TV show. And those are things where you can separate the art from the artist. The funny thing about wrestling is that the art and the artist are intertwined with each other. It's it's unlike almost anything else where it is tough to untangle the two things from each other. Vince McMahon, like you guys said so eloquently, one of the greatest on-screen performers of all time, just a, a tremendous character. But I've made that joke the last couple podcasts about it being shocking and it's just not shocking to me that he is taking a bath now uh, in the twilight of his life. He's 77 years old. Him stepping down really is best for business, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's not even a joke. It now, is best for business. It's, it's, it was probably three or four years now, overdue. I don't... What's really interesting to me, and like I said, he always said he would die in the chair, and nobody ever knew how it would come. And the end, I, I don't know who's, uh, where the famous line comes from. Maybe Zach can tell me. Maybe Jason can tell me. But the uh, you know <laughs> yep. the, that this is the way that empires end, not with a bang, but with a whimper. It's like his tweet of being, I'm 77, it's time to step down, and then Stephanie coming out on SmackDown and being like, everybody, let's go, Vince. It was so pathetic. Like, that is just pathetic. That was so bad. It was like fucking awful. Okay, uh, why, why did you think it was bad? Bill, go first. Which, which part? The, set. the tweet? No, the, uh, the thank you, Vince part. Why was it bad? It just seemed like shit. I brought this up on previous podcasts. He's talking to an audience that might not be all that in. Like, I'm sure a lot of the audience is in on what's going on on Twitter and that Vince actually retired. But a lot of people just work their day jobs and they wanted to take their kids to SmackDown. And it all happened really quick because it happened after the stock market closed on Friday night because that's when you dump stories. And 305 our time. 305 our time so it's 405 the stock market closes at 305 uh eastern time or three o'clock eastern time so it was definitely they were trying to dump it and stephanie was trying to do it so that people so when she knew she could still get the cheers because i'll tell you what monday night when roman reigns told austin theory your daddy's not here anymore that crowd popped, popped. And not only because it was a 
because it was a good line. Yeah, <laughs> it was, was a great. Really, was, I was just like, oh, yeah, it was a really good line. Oh, 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 shit. But the crowd popped because ultimately the, the most vocal wrestling fans realized that Vince probably shouldn't have been there for the last 10 years or so. That's my take. What do you think, Zach? Uh, one, it was pathetic because you have the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. And he, there's still people out there that think that he did not retire because of these allegations and because of the misconduct, even though like you're, you're going to own the company, you're going to own the, the biggest wrestling company in the world and be the most important figure in, in pro wrestling history. And you're not even going to give yourself five minutes on TV, 10 minutes on TV to pop a rating when you did the same shit two weeks ago yeah, it's to absurd. pop a rating when you thought you were still going to get away with all this shit. No, it's absurd. You send your daughter out there, you yeah. send your Ivanka out there and to get <laughs> people to cheer their sexual predator father. Like it's He's disgusting. Up. It was absolutely disgusting. It was pathetic and sad. I wasn't, I wasn't even angry about it, even though it was disgusting. It was more sad than anything. Um, yeah, it was just absolutely gross. And, uh, yeah, people are just fucking stupid. Uh, they want to, you know, there's still people out there. This tribalism thing is so bad. There's still people out there just defending this dude to the utmost. And I don't know, like, I didn't know, like, Italian leather shoes tasted so fucking good. You just want to keep licking them all day. Like, just go to bed, touch some grass, get laid. Go for a I don't walk. Know. Just go, go for, for a walk, walk everybody. Just, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it was. It don't was get just caught up in the flash flood, shit. you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just say this: Stephanie wanted the the fans to, you know, say thank you, Vince, before it, she prompted them to do it. I guess I'll take that back. They said it before she prompted them to do it. It's like Two Beer said: it's tribalism. I was going to say, uh, being a fan, fanaticism, whatever you want to call it, it's all basically the same thing. I'm not saying I disagree with you guys. I agree with you 100. percent But for that SmackDown, that particular little snippet, the fans took over before Stephanie even asked them to do sure. it. Okay, so there is that group. That is going down with the ship, regardless how how fuck the band. Yeah, they are the band, and they're a willing band that's going down with the Titanic. God bless you, motherfuckers. I'm pushing you out the way. It's so not I visual. Get to the boat. It's not a visual medium, but I am <laughs> playing the violin right now. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I think those people should be the subject of the next Holocaust. Like right after the people who say that their least favorite word is moist. <laughs> I think those are. Those are like the two groups that should go first. It is such a weird thing. It's like, just stop saying your least favorite word is moist. It's like, it's fine. It's five letters. I guess it's on Wordle. Okay. So, obviously, if you've listened to this podcast uh, for any amount of time, you know where we stand on the victims and what we think about uh, sexual abuse or sexual assault or sexual harassment or even just uh, taking advantage of those that are uh, underneath you in terms of the pecking order in any single type of institution. What? So if you want to go get news, go to the Wall Street Journal. I think there's more coming out. Yep. You're not going to get news from us. We're not journalists. Nope. 
we are podcasters. So much what, different. What is what I really want to talk about now that we've gotten all that out of the way is, and then we'll get into some entering stuff. But where does the creative go from here? Because it was rumored that Bruce Pritchard was going to be the creative director, and that was a rumor, and that would have, I, I that would have been fine with me. I think Bruce Richard, Pritchard is a uh, a great wrestling mind and seems to be a pretty cool dude. It is now Triple H, and from all all indications from the inside leaks and so forth, uh, whatever you want to read, have shown that Triple H has taken over the Vince role. Where if something needs to be choreographed, he is in on every single segment of the product. So, Jason, what do you think going forward about the creative? I was at a point, honestly, where WWE as a whole was starting to become a struggle to watch, even though I, I love the Roman Reigns bloodline storyline. It has kind of gotten off kilter since he's been the unified champion. Obviously, we'll talk about that here later on down the line. Uh, Bruce Pritchard is not necessarily the best name that I want to hear or I want to what I wanted to hear you know when initially came out don't get me wrong he's had his moments it, they just did a rock um when the rock came back and he became Hollywood rock and they had the uh entrance where the helicopter came in and you saw like you know over the uh the highway you see the cars that's Bruce Pritchard okay that was one of my favorite rock characters Hollywood rock Okay, after he ousted Hulk Hogan in Toronto, he came back and he was like, you don't want to, you know, cheer for the rock. And he became Hollywood again. Okay, leading the John Cena, blah, blah, blah. That was Bruce Pritchard. I'll give you that. If what we hear is correct, that Bruce Pritchard is a part of the reason that Sasha and Naomi are here. That's kind of not the guy I want. Triple H, to me, at least you've seen his work with NXT. And we've always, you know given NXT is props, is flowers, whatever you want to call it, especially, you know, with Johnny Gargano, Ciampa, you know, Adam Cole, baby. Um, that was a run that is going to be hard to match. You made, not just to say you made, but Samoa Joe, Finn Balor. A lot of guys came through that system. Aleister Black, um, Andrade. There were five-star matches and storylines behind it and I think that's one of the big things that now has at least gotten me back and I'm giving you the next six months to start reeling me in storylines have always kind of been a problem with WWE they would have one or two for these you know the big guys the big stars the big women not always I mean in the last five years or so that's what I'm saying Roman Reigns okay let's just use 2022 right now Roman Reigns obviously is your biggest storyline. From there, it's probably Becky and Bianca. Liv and Ronda are getting some sort of steam. Uh, Uso, Street Profits, blah, 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 blah. And now everything starts to get jumbled. Triple H has at least been able to show the ability in a five-match scale where 
we're going to have good matches and we have stories leading into these good matches. So now you have the investment that the pro wrestling fans like myself and the rest of the BFR guys love, but then you can have an in-ring product that works as well. You know, you're, you're not going to get rid of sports entertainment. That's just going to be a thing. I'm not asking for the wheel to get reinvented. I'm just, now I'm looking for the three things I said I was looking for for the Triple H realm is number one, we got to get this women's division together. I don't know how you want to do it, but it is, it is an element of what WWE is. It's too top heavy. There needs to be more women in that mid card scale where now you can start elevating people on the way up versus having Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey have five matches in a row. Tag team division number two, I'm sorry, Triple H had some of the best tag teams under his umbrella in NXT. You can run down the list. And I'm he not, had a bunch of great tag team matches also. Okay. So, great tag team matches. So basically your tag teams are the Street Profits and the Usos. That's just ridiculous. Okay, you got two shows. You got two shows. You can do a little better than that. Three... Go ahead. Third thing, and I think the most important thing is, is we need to come away from the scripted promos. Let people talk. Because Liv Morgan is somebody that I don't even personally like. Even though she's champ, I'm still not sold. But she has a lot of fans behind her because she is who she is. And they like that shit. That's the three things I'm looking so for. So I'm not necessarily asking what you would have Triple H change. I, I want to know if you think that Vince is still on a text message with Triple H. <laughs> being like, uh, okay, what are we doing with these guys? Zach, what do you think? What do you think going forward here with Triple H as the head of creative? I think... Um you might have that. Um, that's definitely a possibility since being behind the scenes. Um, obviously there's, I'm sure there's a lot of respect there. There's family dynamics also besides the politics and the years of history and the, the, the respect. I think that, um, even if we don't see stuff like say, uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania 40, which I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, but we even, on the way to Philly, baby. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't uh, see stuff like that, where we finally get the same Zane baby face uh, title run. But uh, you are, I think, going to see less of the absolute bullshit that we hate. I mean, the camera cuts are there. Maybe as long as Kevin Dunn's there, maybe, maybe that can change. And any of these changes are going to be slow. Um, it's not going to be immediate. I mean, the people expecting, like, Gargano Ciampa on a 60-minute draw the Monday after Vince retires. Uh, like, lower your expectations a bit here. Right. Uh, but the I think you're going to see less of the bullshit that we hate about um, just the weird stuff, like the verbiage. I think Michael Cole is going to become one of the greatest wrestling announcers that we have ever experienced in our lifetime. He's been doing it so long, and he actually is really good when somebody's not screaming in his goddamn ear. Um, I think that's going to be something that changes. I think people are going to say stuff like belt. And I think people are going to be able to not speak in such stilted ways, even if they aren't scripted or even if they're still scripted, the language won't be so stilted because they're terrified that they're going to say the wrong thing. Uh, and then that would ruin their push because it's all up to the whims of this one demagogue, uh, that you have to appease, uh, you know, 
So I think those kind of changes are all positive. And like Triple H is not going to tear up a script on a Monday afternoon and rewrite the show on the fly. Um, there's just going to be stuff like that. And well, I, I, I guess it'll the, just get better. I guess, the, I, the, I mean, there's no way it can get worse because weekly television is as bad as it's ever been yep. in WWE. So it can't get worse. I guess the thing that I'm worried about is that it was a dictatorship before, so now Triple H is the new dictator. Like, I don't want it to be that. Like, hopefully Triple H isn't tearing up scripts. Hopefully Triple H lets them go out there and cut promos the way they want to. I'll tell you what, the the opening segment of Raw with Roman Reigns and Austin Theory, and this is another thing that... The first 45 minutes of Raw was Austin Theory. He was in two different matches and one promo segment, which is fine, I guess. It just is. You have so many people back there. You can make an entertaining product without having to just push this one guy so hard. I hope that Triple H is not a dictator, but I will say that the first segment where Roman Reigns seemed to be going off the cuff. In a couple places, you know, and it was the most likable that he has been in a long time. And he has been likable on this run and he is over right now as a baby face. <laughs> it is yep. fucking, in, in this it scenario, is fucking yes. strange. It is like everything is through. It's like I'm watching raw through the wrong end of the binoculars or something. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden Roman Reigns is trying to be a heel and now people fucking love him and when he was trying to be a baby face people fucking hated him austin theory will be a heel as long as he keeps that goatee once he gets rid of that goatee, <laughs> once he gets rid of that goatee anything can happen That's um, but uh, when you mentioned when you mentioned dictatorship uh i do think for one thing anytime there's a power vacuum which has been being removed that's a huge power vacuum there's going to be power grabs and uh, I think maybe Triple H just like stepping into that Vince role is good in the sense that people might expect him to immediately do all those things. So like Vince was like a known workaholic, like did not sleep eight hours, literally worked 20 hours a day, like all the time. And it was just like down to the minutia of everything. Like Triple H has a family and shit. He, he ain't trying to be doing that. I'm sure he'll work a lot, but I think we're going to have some more systems put in place. Well, a family that he cares about. Okay, but... A then, family that he cares about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be different, like, if his wife was at home taking care of the family. What is Stephanie doing? Oh, wait. Well, Shane's babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that this was like the McMahon-Helmsley uh, storyline coming to real life, you know, 20 years later. This, that's some crazy shit, but I, honestly, if you stop and trip off of it, Stephanie's in charge... Basically, Triple H is, you know, next to him. Vince is out. Shane's nowhere to be found. Then why didn't the Nation of Domination ever take hold? (laughs) You know why, motherfucker. (laughs) I do. All right. I got to keep it moving. Let's get to that two count. Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, Two count. uh, We'll start off a little chronologically. So, because they're still tied together quite a bit. We'll talk about Death Before Dishonor first. Um we we'll talk about Rampage, but I didn't watch Rampage, and I think I'm not alone in that. Uh, Rampage seems very skippable. <laughs> like, that's uh, just kind of how it is. Um, but we had 
just before Dishonor. So I watched the bookends of this show. Like I said, I'm on vacation, so I was not able to watch the whole show. But um, opening match was Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham. Something like 11 minutes. Uh, for the most part, a Claudio took this thing. And uh, he took the title from Gresham. Uh, not, you know, it was a good match. Not a great match. They could have had a better match um, if it would have went longer. Um, I don't think that they were terribly interested in giving Gresham a lot of offense, though, uh, based on just rumors backstage. Uh, apparently, wasn't happy about dropping the title um, and uh, not happy with Tony Khan. So, uh, you know, that is what that is. Um, I don't know if you guys want to get into that or not, but uh, I basically. I want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but uh, Claudio wins the title with the Ricola bomb. Uh, even though the match wasn't long, they did a really nice celebration. Regal was out there. He was on commentary for the match. Confetti as Claudio's first world title. Very appropriate. He's like thrilled. He's running around the ring. He's slapping hands with everybody. Uh, I think this was the right move overall. And I mean, Jonathan Gresham has a right to be mad about it. He has a right to be a mark for himself and think that he deserves more. Uh, but honestly, this seemed like a no brainer uh, from my point of view. And just because you held the title in the previous iteration of the company and you were still that champion and you carried it around the indies and shit does not mean that you're entitled to a new run uh, in a new company where there are stars that are much bigger than you. And that's not a short joke. I just mean, he's not a very big star. Uh, He's a great wrestler. Um, That's my take on it. Like he's right. He has every right to be a mark for himself and burn bridges. If he wants to do that. Uh, I mean, he's, he's very talented, Uh, but I don't think even Triple H would be super interested in him being a top guy in WWE, regardless of the leadership there. I don't know if he goes to Impact. I don't know. I don't know what he does. Yet, but um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So I watched this match today after I knew the outcome. It was tough to avoid the outcome uh, that Claudio would beat Jonathan Gresham. I I've watched Jonathan Gresham fight. I don't know, 10 matches in my life. You know, I the, like he's, he's, he's been in my life for a couple of years now. Um, the, the height difference was extremely noticeable fighting Claudio. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer for Tony Khan, and I made some disparaging remarks on Twitter <laughs> that I probably shouldn't have. I said, <laughs> you, I, 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 you know, I've been staying off Twitter, and then I, I've been try- I, I get on wrestling Twitter every once in a while. I had to unfollow Jason Bell though because because Jason Bell watches G1 live and tells you who wins no, and I don't. Then gives you the capsule response. Well, no, I don't. I, well, I, had, no, I don't. Well, I had to unfollow nope. you, and that's so, okay because I saw some. Spoilers for some G1 stuff, and I was like, when the G1's done, I'll I'll refollow <laughs> Jason Bell, maybe. But um, the, the height difference is so striking between those two guys, and it, you could tell that Claudio had clearly never fought anybody as short as Jonathan Gresham, who is five foot four. He is five four. He is five that's, foot four. That's significantly shorter than me. It is, and fi- I am not a tall man. I'm going to say it again. Five foot four. Like, that is. 
you could tell that Claudio was having some issues with it because it's kind of weird. The, uh, the, the Ricola bomb they did at the end, I could tell that he was worried about over-rotating and breaking, uh, you know, that, that guy's neck. I'm not going to say. I thought that William Regal put him over like a fucking, like a champ during that match. Tried to make him seem as cool as possible. As Zach said, he's allowed to be a mark for himself. It's a loss to Ring of Honor slash AEW to lose Jonathan Gresham because his innovative offense against Claudio was something that was fun to watch. It was not a very long match. It took the rightful place at at the beginning of the card rather than the end of the card because it would have been totally outshone by the match that came later. I will say that I made a joke on Twitter like, uh, well, you can't buy a company and then keep their 411 champ. And <laughs> that might have been mean, but it was only five <laughs> inches off. <laughs> it was only five inches off. And those five and there, inches could mean everything. And there was a part. There was, My wife says so. There was, a time, mm. there was a time during that match where Jonathan Gresham was giving chops to Claudio's quadricep and i was like you just you can't have that in a heavyweight title match can you a guy giving chops to a quad like you just can't do it and i jonathan gresham is a fucking amazing athlete and he's gonna have a chip on the shoulder just like napoleon did for his entire life, and I hope that he continues to make money. But if you buy Ring of Honor and you want Ring of Honor to be something, there's no better guy to put it on than Claudio Castagnoli. Jason. I'm glad you tried to say that shit. Okay. Nobody says it right. So. That's why I just say Claudio. Uh, all right. Um so much to unpack. It was a cool uh, match, though. No, no. Uh, I got a problem with the whole goddamn thing, to be perfectly honest. Okay, so first things first, Jonathan Gresham won the Ring of Honor title at Supercard Honor. Tony Khan is not keeping that black man down. God kept that black man down really close to the ground, five foot four. Wow. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's fucking horrible now i gotta try to get my train of thought back again god <laughs> damn that's that's horrible okay super card of honor thank you um that's before design yeah no super card of honor that's tony khan's first show first show jay lethal jonathan gresham roh champion okay he anointed Jonathan Gresham as the champion. That's under Tony Khan's watch. So if you want to, if you want to do all the, if you want to count days and all that other nonsense, I'm sorry, Zach, if you think I'm attacking you, I'm not attacking you. I'm just making a point. That's under Tony Khan's watch. A lot of Jonathan Gresham's ROH title matches came outside of AEW or ROH or anything under Tony Khan's umbrella. That's on he wasn't Tony. champ before that. I'm just asking. He I'm was sorry. Champ before that. Was he champ before that though? <sighs> yes, he beat Bandito. He did. Be, no, 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 no. Because Bandito was the champion, and then he, Bandito got uh, COVID. So then Jonathan Gresham became 
the champion. That was Supercard of Honor. That was the one-on-one match to determine the champion. See uh, Mox versus CM Punk. No matter what, you can't have a guy that I'm not. Look, no, I'm not champion for too long. Okay, all right. I'm not uh, saying that. I'm not saying that. Turn my okay? mic off. Turn my mic off. I'm not saying that. I'm saying from that point on, from the ring of the the Super Card of Honor point, that's on Tony Khan to. Okay, I've given you this. Now build upon it. Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham could have been so much bigger leading up to it, and the match itself could have been even better. And, and I'm, I'm not saying it was that good, personally. It was okay. 11 minutes for a world title match is ridiculous. Period. Period. Okay? That all being said... If you want to blame Jonathan Gresham, that's okay. I'm just saying a little bit of this blame, too, needs to go to Tony Khan. Claudio winning the championship, I have no problem with that. Storyline shit, it makes sense. But if you're going to buy the company and you buy the champion and you make him champion, you need to have an obligation to build that champion up so when Claudio comes around... Granted, it fell into his lap, but you still need to be—you still need to build up that champion. Brian Cage is running around here with no place to go. Tony Branchard is getting bought out by the fucking Sheik or whatever the fuck this is. That whole fucking first segment was a hot goddamn mess, and it was the cherry on top of it was an eleven-minute title match. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the main event. Well, I was just looking. So he won, he beat Jay Lethal in the final battle, which is in December. And then he beat Bandito at Supercard of Honor. So, like, there was, like, a vacant situation. So he's had the belt for, yeah, but, since uh, December. Uh, uh, listen, before Tony Khan had it. A guy, just, a guy like that is not going to have the belt very long. It's like Mick Foley. It just is. It's like Rey Mysterio. Like, you can't okay. hold the belt for that long if you're that, if you're that size. Okay, that's I'm just, just the, that's the nature of pro wrestling. Look, I'm not sitting up here and saying that Jonathan Gresham should be a year-long champion. But the way they did him this on this one, I'm sorry. That was a little dirty. And I'm being nice. Let's, <laughs> let's. Uh, or it's, it's Zach's count. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. Uh, yeah, I was just going to move it on to the bookend because those are the two main matches we want to talk about then. You guys can fill in the middle because uh, I didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, we had Briscoes versus um, FTR 2, and this is best two out of three falls match. Um, this match was awesome. It was over 40 minutes. It was very, like, dramatic. It was incredibly well-wrestled. Fantastic storytelling. Um, amazing hot tag from Dash Wilder where, you know, they were pulling Dash Wilder off of the apron, you know, twice in a row after Dax had already lost the fall by taking a goddamn, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Road Warriors finisher. The uh, the greatest tag team of all time, the, the Doomsday's device. Oh, I got Doomsday you. Don't you worry device. about it. Don't you worry about yeah. it. I got you. Is it the best tag match you've ever seen? Uh, I wouldn't say that. It's up there. It's one of the matches of the year, along with their first one. I'd have to watch the first one again to like really like hardcore compare them. But um, I mean, it was great. It's one of the best tag matches I've seen. One of the best matches of this year. 
But, um, yeah, very dramatic. Uh, Dex Harwood landed on his neck on that Doomsday device, and they worked him, you know, for a good while before we got a hot tag on Dash. And then uh, they came back with a uh, shatter machine or a big rig and, um, yeah, tied it up. And then, you know, more great action uh, until the climactic finish where Dash Wilder takes, um, was it Jay? I think, uh, it was Jay. I think it was yeah, I think it was Jay, and um, does a uh, back no, suplex. No, no, off Mark him. was the one that took the suplex. Jay was like, well, you know, you guys can't what tell the him fuck? Apart? No, come on, man, it's been like six days. Jesus Christ, yeah. shut the fuck up. Jay, Jay doesn't have hair. Mark's got hair, um, but uh, yeah, so, Mark has no hair. Jay has hair. Ah, shit. See. You're welcome. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the black guy can tell the white guys apart. <laughs> but uh, it was him, yeah. officer. <laughs> Back suplex through a table uh, from the top rope to the outside through a table, which was nuts. Pretty and, rough. Uh, pretty rough spot. They yeah, they and, they like clip the table. Oh yeah, just with the backs of their heads. I'm yeah. really say, Mark took the table. Yeah. Dash yep. didn't take and that then, table. Uh, no. A uh, pile driver from the middle rope uh, to win it. And, you know, they put him over afterwards. FTR uh, did a very uh, expletive filled and heartfelt promo afterwards. Um, Jack saying how much he fucking loved pro wrestling and how much of a mark he was. And uh, Dash saying that was us fighting like an eight year old girl uh, in reference to Dax's. Uh, awesome promo from Wednesday. And, you know, they put over the Briscoes and raised their hands and all that. So, um, I mean, it was fantastic. I don't know what you guys thought about it versus the first one. I can't really speak to it because it's been too long. Uh, but this was fantastic and well worth 45 minutes of your life. I'll go with uh, which you know, I think is better. Because it's two out of three falls, it has a lot of time to tell a story. The first one was a one-fall match, and we're splitting it. I'm splitting hairs at this point. I thought the first one was better just because it was one fall. But don't get me wrong. Two out of three falls is good if you if you tell the story right. They told the story right. FTR, to me, is now tag team of the year. We can just anoint that shit right now. Um, Dax Harwood needs to be on the list of wrestler of the year. Uh, he ain't going to win it, but, I mean, a lot of our – favorite moments has had Dax Hardwood in that circle in some form or fashion. Usually it should be a singles guy, but in this scenario, I would want to say that it's uh, Dax Hardwood should get a little love. I'm, you know, the Briscoes from this point, you're not, you don't have to worry about them, but I guess the bigger picture is what's going to happen with ROH because if where ROH goes, the Briscoes are going as well. So at that point, we'll just see what happens, but for me, the first one was better, but this one was, it was really fucking good. No question about it. And I love this fact that it was two out of three falls because it's, it's old school. And, it, and at least in this scenario, it's not like the first fall is in the first 15 seconds or the, the first fall happens in 15 minutes and the second fall is 15 ding, ding, seconds. Ding, 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 ding. That, that was the point with this match is that this match had the first fall at about 21 Ish, minutes or yeah. so and then the second fall around 31 minutes and then the fourth fall around 44 minutes 43 minutes something like this this, uh, this is my front runner for a match of the year 
I watched it twice today. The first time with no sound because I was in a meeting. Uh, don't tell my boss. Uh, the first time I watched it with no sound. The second time I watched. Second time I. Second time I watched. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I was. I was just kind of like, oh man, this really looks like I should probably watch it again. So I. I watched because I was going to. I was all cut up on wrestling, and I was going to go watch some old New Japan stuff like I did last week because I had a great time watching old New Japan stuff last week with AJ Styles and Prince Devitt and stuff. But I decided to watch this one again. This match is an all-timer. I don't know if it's the greatest tag team match I've ever seen. It's my favorite match of the year thus far. And I'll tell you what sealed it was the, the last 10 seconds of it where the pile driver off the middle rope and Dax Harwood was spent, but... Jay Briscoe's shoulders were on the mat. The legs pinned, basically the legs pinned Jay Briscoe. And listen, everybody, like, I watched so much wrestling this week because I watched every single, uh, I watched one uh, G1 night per day. And then I was kind of sprinkling in some other stuff. I watched so much wrestling this week and and a lot of great wrestling. And I'm a little wrestling out right now. So I had to take the the afternoon off. I I guess this is how you feel all the time, except you don't have to take the afternoon off. I was like, I have no afternoons off. (laughs) But this match lived up to the hype and had to go last. I know they said at the beginning of the pay-per-view that they flipped the coin so they had Claudio versus oh Gresham first. No coin. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was an incredible match uh the the crowd was incredible yes the entire time and I loved Dash Wilder during this match to me next to the Briscoe I mean Jay Briscoe is so fucking cool, dude. He is so fun. He's the one missing the teeth, right? No, that's Mark. That's Mark? Yeah. Okay. Jay's a former uh, ROH champion. I like Jay better just because I think he's just, he he comes off as a better singles guy. And when you see him one-on-one, you can see that. Either way, it was as good as expected, probably even surpassed expectations a little bit. And FTR deserves all the credit that they get. The the Briscoes tag team of the year. Well, of course, it's like who else? No, could no, it I'm be? just rubbing it on Zach. <laughs> I can't. Oh man, I mean, totally. They're absolutely the best tag team this year. Zach still good, especially after go they the beat the Bucks. Bucks. <laughs> young Bucks win the, the trio championships this year. <laughs> all right, Zach, what you got for AEW? Uh, so, uh, we started off with, uh, world title match. Um, so much similar. good wrestling this week. So much good wrestling this week. There yeah. was so and much I, of it. I just got to say, uh, dynamite has not been fantastic lately. Um, it's always a good show. It's always worth watching, but there was a run there for a while when it was just like, oh my God, dynamite is so awesome. Yes. And it seems like between, Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor, running joint shows with New Japan, besides all the other shit that he does as a billionaire with owning multiple companies. Uh, it just seemed like the show was a little unfocused, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was 
being done with the ROH pay-per-view. Maybe it was, um, you know, him really wanting to do a really good job after uh, Vince retired. <laughs> like, I, I don't know uh, what it was. But whatever it was, I appreciate it because he put on a fantastic two hours of, of pro wrestling television here. So started out with John Moxley with, uh, versus Roosh. And this was a really awesome uh, opening match. Uh, John Moxley gave Roosh a lot. It's impossible for John Moxley to have a bad match anymore. He is just so great, and he is always going to deliver. Uh, it actually kind of makes me frustrated that uh, I'm glad that he got this like second run here. Um, but I think when Punk comes back, it'll probably end. That's what everybody's expecting, but he's just the best. I mean, he's, if I was like ranking the best wrestling champions, like of my like lifetime, he'd be up there. Like he's up there with Okada. Uh, you know, he's up there with Omega. Uh, his runs are just awesome. And, uh, this was a good showcase for Rush, even though he lost. I was thinking about Moxley when I was watching this and, you know, subsequently after in the uh, the promo leading to the uh, Jericho match in two weeks, it's n- it's not a, a, a knock against Mox. I think both of his runs, interim and AEW champion, the first time around, have been great runs. We've had great matches. You know, opponents have been good, so on and so forth. I think it's almost like just bad timing. You know, the first run is in the middle of the pandemic leading into and then going into the pandemic and he had to carry this shit thin. And now this time around, CM Punk shares his foot and now he's AEW champion again, but they say he's the interim AEW champion. The best thing, I don't get me wrong, first and foremost, I thought this match was good. It was a good showing for Roosh. I watched him as ROH champion, so for me, this was nothing that I didn't see before, but it was just good to see him and Moxley mix it up. Moxley needs to stop blading, but, you know, neither here nor there. Moxley is maybe the most beloved babyface champion in the room, in the room, whatever arena he's in. He might, be the, most, he might be the most beloved babyface champion since Punk? Maybe. Maybe. Since, since WWE Punk? I mean... People fucking love John Moxley, and that guy is over. I've said it before. I can't believe that this guy is the guy that's gotten over as a face forever, but he clearly has a connection with fans. Everybody loves him. He's got the wild thing music that everybody connects with, and uh, this match was really fun. Roosh, who I've said before, I don't have much of a history with. I know that he was uh, ROH champion. The guy likes During to the fight. Pandemic. The guy likes to fight, though, and and, and this was this, this was a yeah. bloody great match. Now Jericho came out. Jericho is now challenging. I guess that's why they put Jericho over Kingston, which is what us three couldn't figure out. So now we're having Moxley versus Jericho, and Moxley says, "I want Lionheart Jericho in two weeks in Minneapolis." It's the like the. Rakes at the I'm, lakes no, or something? I'm not even going to try it. Right. <laughs> Quake, no. Quake by the lake. Quake by the there lake. There you okay. go. Two beer. Uh, and then they announced that they're going to have a trios title. Now, listen, guys. If we're going to not have a three-hour podcast, there are some things that I'm going to have to fly by here. So we're going to have a trios title. I'm sure that 
us three are going to have plenty of time to talk about the trios title. We're going to skip past it. We're going to skip past the Dante yeah, Martin. They did. Yeah. So we're we're going to skip past the Dante Martin promo. And now we're going to talk about Dan Housen versus Ricky Starks. This was a tremendous <laughs> segment. I loved everything about this segment. Zach, tell me why I loved it. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, Stark squashes Danhausen, which is supposed to be what happens with Danhausen. Is uh, he's a comedy act, and Stark's is a legit contender. And then, of course, Stark says he's saying, "I want another opponent because it was so fast, and I'm for real this time." And I, I called it last week. You did. Little, you did. Pat myself on the back there. No, then but, I'll break uh, your arm, motherfucker. You called it. Yeah, uh, Hook's music hits, and his entrance music is an absolute banger. So fans go nuts, and, you know, they wrestle a few minutes. And Hook has some really, really good offense, very fun offense, and um, ends up overtaking uh, Ricky, who was, like, selling his neck, you know, kind of before the match uh, to begin with. Yep. But uh, Hook takes the FTW title, and, you know, they fist bump. They're still boys. There's still respect there. Um so that part was Asterisk cool. right then, there with the fist bump. I want to talk about that. But then Ricky cuts the best babyface promo. Just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> murders it. And uh, Hobbs turns on him with a vicious looking clothesline. But Hobbs or Stark's promo was so well done. Just talking about how he elevated that FTW belt. He, you know, kind of made the best. You know, he didn't say this exactly, but. Uh, you know, life hands you lemons, make lemonade. He made the best out of his situation. No, I'll say what grinded. he said. Shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll say it. I will and say it. It was the right time to turn him because the fans are cheering him because they like him because right. he's very likable. Right. Um, and so it was, you know, even though the team of those two is great and that maybe they could have both been faces, that's not the direction they want to go. And maybe they're going to elevate Hobbs out of this or Starks. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah, uh, is that why did I did I hit it, Bill? Is that why you liked it? Yeah, I loved uh, I loved Starks squashing Danhausen because that that's, that's what, what you're supposed have. to do. I I like Hook coming out and taking the belt off of Ricky Starks because Ricky Starks needs to elevate to something. Do other things. The yet before the match, it I was, was like, so "Oh shit!" Zach, I'll be honest. I didn't listen to what you said because I was taking the piss. But I think that I'm about to nail it here. And the third thing was, I didn't see that Hobbs turn coming. I thought that Ricky Starks was cutting a promo, a babyface promo. I was like, "Man, this is a really good babyface promo." The crowd got right behind him, which is what charisma does. Basically, I mean, he has charisma and he got the crowd behind him. And then the Hobbs out of nowhere just fucking knocked Wait him, him out. out. And I was like, OK, that's how you do a turn. And that's not a turn that I was expecting as an old jaded wrestling fan. You've seen you've seen all the turns coming, right? That was not one that I saw coming. And I I loved it. And I, I love Ricky Starks. I'm excited about Pyro's Hobbs. And I want to see the feud going forward. I'll keep it short and sweet. The vignette beforehand, I thought was like, okay, this is like the sign that Ricky Hobbs is going to the next step. Didn't think he was going to lose to Dan Housen, but I was like, okay, perfect. You did it the way you're supposed to. When Hook comes out, I'm like, okay, Hook is son of Taz, perfect guy to 
pass the FT, uh, FTW title over, and now you can move Ricky Starks up. Ricky Starks is in the middle of dare I say six through ten promo of the year I'm like god damn this motherfucker's talking really, that crazy really shit really good baby face but, promo. he was like you know this is a noose and now I made it a necktie I'm like oh shit okay I feel you Ricky what the fuck damn he's down that's how that's how good a Ricky Starks was right there and then B powerhouse Hobbs is the perfect foil because next week he should come out and be like it wasn't just you it wasn't just you I helped you out I bailed you out of this match this match this match and it should all work up all out should probably be the blow off and then Ricky Starr should win it unfortunately because both guys should go over I mean both guys have so much potential but Ricky Starks in this storyline should win it and you can elevate him up what's next Zach uh, next, we had Sammy Guevara with Tay Conti defeating Dante Martin with Sky Blue. So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, we had a high-flying match here. Dante Martin is just, like, insane. Just absolutely insane. But, um, you know, Sammy's playing the heel, and he wins the match. Uh, there's, you know, a little bit of interference, but for the most part, wins it pretty clean. And, um, you know, they just keep beating on him. Uh, and then Sky Blue comes in to kind of help, you know, stop. I guess they're dating. I guess Dante and Sky Blue are dating. And um, the crowd this was could just not match. give a fuck about Sky. No, Blue. they couldn't care. Um, like the crowd likes Sky Blue in general, but this crowd did not necessarily like Sky Blue did not enhance the story of this match at all, like she was supposed to. I, th- um, I thought that this match was really fun. I have one criticism of it. There was. Probably too too many standing Spanish flies. Like they kept going back to it, and like that okay. should, that should be something. Like it wows you if you do it one time in a match. If you do it four times in the match, you're like, oh, these guys can do standing Spanish flies. That's I it. Think, I think okay. I think part of the problem was ultimately it comes down to Dante Martin had gotten hurt in this match. Now where he got hurt is the biggest question. There was a spot where he came off the ropes and he kind of landed on on his feet clean, and then it was like, oh, you know, he played like, oh, I twisted yeah, my ankle. Yeah, that was a work, though, right? I don't know because that looked like a work. It looked like a work, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with you on the finish where they both where uh, Dante did his flip first, and then Sammy dodged it, and then Sammy did his flip to the cutter. Dante Martin's knee kind of buckled the way it shouldn't buckle. It sounds like he might be out. So a lot of this might just be null and void. Fair enough. You want you want uh, you want to hear my JR impression real fast? Mm-mm. My God, these kids are athletic. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's my. That's my only. That's my only impression. Are athletic. Okay. Yeah. My God, these kids know, are athletic. You know, Jim. JR is just liking every one of Sky Blue and Tay Conti's Twitter stop, posts. Stop. <laughs> stop. Come on, man. Uh, like, JR is the definition of horny on main. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so anyway, like, uh, Ruby Soho, Eddie Kingston, Ortiz run down. Uh, this is going to be, you know, a continuation a little bit, Jericho appreciation. Um, I don't know. Maybe, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it, it was whatever. Fine exhibition. It was. Fine. It was fine television. It wasn't anything super special. Chance for Sky Blue to break out. She didn't really do it. Uh, Daniel Garcia had the good promo. 
thing. He's gonna they're gonna call him the best technical sports entertainer in the world after he beats Brian uh, Danielson. That was good. Uh, and then uh, some, uh, you know, Sanjay Dutt, uh, another one of those uh, talking trios. Uh, I won't say I only bring this up because it's kind of an introduction to some trio stuff, and also uh, Sanjay Dutt shit talking the best friends. And <laughs> Trent Brown walks up and he's like. How are you gonna say that? Like we're not seeing six, <laughs> we're feet, six away feet away from you. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I gotta admit, uh, like I don't want to be a wet blanket. I just, I just thought that that was a little too, little too cute for me. A little too meta. A little too meta for me. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, and then, I mean, Jungle Boy was already like we knew of his potential. We knew that he had it in the ring. He's probably the best character baby face, um, like breakout character baby face with the most potential of anybody in the company. That's not like John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, like those guys that are already like super, super over. He, we, we knew that he just needed promo skills and by God, he knocked it out of the park, uh, in this opportunity here. So this is the, this is, I bet, if Vince was watching, he's like, "My God, Luke Perry's son grabbed the brass ring." Now, 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 if Vince over here just waiting patiently, you know. Then he kind of presses on the button on his recliner. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> See, you, "You ain't got nothing to say, Vince." Act in quotes. Act like you have nothing to do. The only thing I will say, there was a lot of like, there's a lot of cursing. Uh, you know, like he will have to maybe not use that as such a crush because crutches because it's already kind of overdone on AEW TV. But the fans were eating it up, so I can't ding, say ding. He's right. anything. He's just like, he calls him, he starts out by calling him a pussy. <laughs> you don't hear that too often. I'm surprised you don't hear it more. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, talking about how uh, he didn't understand why Christian was so bitter because it was just like one match worth of money. It's like, why is this dude so hard up for money when he's been like a great wrestler for Hold so on. long? Zach, can I tell you a story real fast? Uh, yeah. When uh, I was a kid, I knew that pussy was a bad word. So I was sitting there at the breakfast table with my brother Jacob, and we were yelling at each other, fighting about, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. We were like 12 and 9. And I was like, you, you're a wussy. And mom goes, my mom goes, do not say that <laughs> word in my house. And I was like, wussy? She goes, stop, don't say it. And I was like, fine, Jacob's a pussy. And she was like, she was like, thank you. Like she did not, she did not, she could not tell what the bad word was and what the good word was. Oh like my she, God, that's great. <laughs> All right, you may continue. All right, go ahead, Zach. <laughs> Sorry. That's I have a similar comedy. story where I was like, I don't know, maybe like 12 or something. And I called one of my friends at the time a pussy uh, because I was 12 and I grew up in the country, as you do. And uh, his drunk mom smacked me, like, hard. And, like, my parents never hit me. And, like, I still remember that shit. Somebody um, I know? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, small, small town. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, she smacked the shit out of me. Never said that shit again to her face. Like, uh, anyway, <laughs> she went. To see, was it Luchasaurus? Right. Was Luchasaurus <laughs> yeah. your friend's mom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Total dinosaur. But um, yeah. So uh, he's like, I don't know why he's so bitter. Why he's so strapped for cash. And he's like, Oh, it's because you're getting this divorce. 
And uh, like he says, like Christian's got a little dick, and he's like, "That's why I lost the wife." And he's just like hammering, just like over and over. It's like every fifteen seconds, he's got like a new punchline. Jason's dying to talk. He keeps no, 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 ra- no. He keeps no, raising his hand. No, I just want to say I'm next up after Zach's done. Okay, all right. And uh, they do a little bit to explain why uh, Luchasaurus. Uh, the 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 confusing nature of Luchasaurus and. Uh, the story is that he was protecting Christian Cage, but he was protecting him for Jungle Boy because he didn't want anybody else to get his hands on him before he had an opportunity to. So that they, at least they tried, but it's not they're not really doing it for me. But uh, but yeah, I thought uh, this was great. Overall, not, not much of an explanation. Well, it's no. bad, it, was, it was great. Though. It's a bad explanation because I'm looking at Luchasaurus and you like, you know, he's protecting blah, blah. He's still in the same heel shit. I saw him from last week. Number one. Number two. It's not Jungle Boy at this point. It needs to be Jack Perry because he was over here just dropping all kinds of hot shit. That's what that will be a. If if he stays with AEW and he becomes champion, he good stays there for like 30, 40 years, that's gonna be like his first great promo. Okay. That was that's the one where it was his coming out promo. Exactly. Yes. Where now I'm like, okay, okay. He should be mad. Man, you slam me with a goddamn chair while I'm laying down already prone. That's the heat I wanted to see. I ain't look. I don't have kids. I have cats. These cats ain't gonna worry about pussy shit, fuck or bitch. So at that point, I I, I, I love the fact that I he will, came out. I like will that. say this though, which kind of made Jungle Jack Perry heal to me. He started talking about Christian being mad because Jungle Boy eliminated him from a battle royal a couple years ago, right? And he said, "Oh, it it denied you a bonus, huh?" Like, who needs a bonus? You've been in the wrestling business long enough. And he's like, now I know why you need a bonus, because your wife left you. Hey, don't count other people's money. <laughs> you don't know what hey. anybody else's deal is. Hey. Don't count other people's is money. <laughs> is he wrong? Yeah, he's wrong, he because said- you don't bring up another man's money in a conversation. I'm sorry, you just don't do it. I don't know how much money you have. You don't know how much money I have. I don't want to know how much money you have. I don't know. I don't want to know how much money Zach has, <laughs> which is a lot. It's not he much. lives in Portland. And he's going on vacation. No, it's, it's, he's it's actually not much Preach. because I live in Portland. Whatever, <laughs> motherfucker. He's taking the Bigfoot but, uh, tour out there. He's playing pool. He's playing pool and foosball. Is Jungle Boy lying? No. Nah, it's just okay. don't, count, don't count another man's money. Good. That really bothers me. That's a real pet peeve of mine, Jason. I'll say this. The only so- time you look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure they have enough. <laughs> I learned that from the from Louis C.K. That's my man. That's my man. <laughs> I'll say this and we can move on. Love Louis C.K. What did Bill Cosby say? <laughs> <laughs> look, man, never mind. Um, he said, hush, little baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If it if it's fair game for 
Christian to talk about daddy and daddy issues and daddy dying is easily fair game. And then at the end, Christian was like, you know, hey, you know, you told me your little, you know, dirty little secrets. Don't think you these dirty little secrets are going to come up. It's fair game. This is what I want to see. Two beer, I want them to jack this fucking feud up. Two beer, Zach. What's next? Uh, next, we had, uh, I won't go over all these little segments, but this one is uh, great because basically Young Bucks are backstage. Uh, Cutler wants to be in their trios group um, because, you know, Kenny's not around. And they're like, no, shit, like shit, no Cutler. And then, which is just so funny. <laughs> and, uh, say, guess who's not going to be a trio champion? You. Childhood friends. And it's just so good. Um, so uh, Hangman Page is there just hanging out. And they have like this awkward thing. So I love this because this is the story, right? Like this is like the story, the central story of AEW. It's been since day one is the elite and the breaking up of the elite, and now it is on to the reforming of the elite. And it ain't going to happen next week, but this is part of the long-term story, so I loved this segment. Jason, what do you uh, think about the segment? <sighs> I'll, I'll be quick, too, Baron. You can jump back into this. With trios, tires coming up, that means... Kenny Omega is on the horizon. It feels like the Dark Order is cock-blocking Adam Page and the Young Bucks getting back together to run for these trio titles. I wouldn't be surprised, number one, to see these two Dark Order versus Page and Young Bucks in the trios tournament. Number two, it might be time to you know think about what we're doing with the Dark Order because this... I mean, I get no, it. It might be time to stop thinking about what you're doing with the Dark Order. Fair. Anna Jay's, uh, she bounced. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Slowly but surely, this shit's breaking up. Either flip them here or break them up. What's next, Duber? Uh We had a handicap match as for Strickland, uh, who defeated Tony Neese and Mark Sterling. Uh, Keith Lee was banned from ringside. Uh then there was a after the fact that shows chiefly uh, <laughs> outside uh, or backstage. Josh Woods, a former ROH Pure Champion, was standing over him uh, holding a belt. Then these attacks were from behind, hold the belt over him. So it looks like maybe we're going to get uh, Josh Woods versus Tony Nice uh, for the tag titles because. Uh, we just have to have more and more teams that aren't FTR uh, fighting for these belts. I mean, damn, uh, they got every fucking title that's not WWE. I mean, what the fuck? They've been like the number one contenders for month and month month, and it, I think that's part of the storyline. I think it's intentional, uh, but it's definitely noticeable. Uh, typical Mount. Mal- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I want to talk about this House of Black segment because that's your boy immediately involved in that shit. I was just going to say typical House of Black segment. So go on. Who? Miro. Alistair Black is basically... everybody's boy. Everybody doesn't get it? No, I'm joking because... Yeah, because you don't get it. No, Rusev was your boy. Miro's everybody's guy, then Miro's my boy. Remind me about Bro's Clays on the I get. I get to have... The good and the bad. Yes. Okay. You, you have Rusev when he was in WWE. Miro coming in now to did AEW. You guys, did you guys like? Okay. No, I just want to talk about the segment for 30 seconds because it was. Miro feels like he's being recruited by Aleister Black. 
But does what does Miro do? I guess there's the question. For me, like I said last week, I just want Miro to run on this rampage and get to the title match, and then whatever happens, happens. The fact that you have Aleister Black at least entertain the fact that the House of Black can have Miro, to me, is intriguing. I don't think it's going to happen, but like I said, for, for me, when a, this segment happened, I thought of you first. So I'll let you go ahead from that point on and let you think, say what you want to think. No, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I don't have anything. Um, I mean, I'll, well, I'll see how it plays out, but like about the black stuff is just, it's very repetitive in nature. So I just don't really kind of pay attention to it. I just kind of wait for shit to happen. Where's Buddy Matthews at? I guess there's the question because if, if they're inside Rhea Ripley, um, you weren't shit. Pretty awkward for Rhea to run into. Uh, <laughs> Alex, like, what's her name? Mysterio. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, I saw that shit. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Triple H, you ain't shit, but I love it. Okay. You at but least I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's hurt or what. Yeah. No, I, look. Everybody, this is what I want. And just WWE for 30 seconds. At least Triple H acknowledged some shit. It makes it, and I wanted it to make sense moving forward. Aaliyah and Ripley didn't meet accidentally. That's a little plant, okay? Rhea Ripley might not be able to wrestle, but we can move you in and drag Ray Mysterio around for 30 seconds. Okay, you can move along. <laughs> um, we had the women's uh, title match. Thunder Rosa defeated Mia Yamashita. Uh, I think Yamashita looked fantastic here. Uh, I think she made Thunder Rosa look pretty good. I think Thunder Rosa is very opponent dependent. Uh, that's my opinion of Thunder Rosa as a wrestler. Um, and even though this wasn't perfect all the time, there was some clunkiness. A lot of it was good. And I thought Yamashita looked great. Um, have not asked Jason for his Tokyo Joe for wrestling DDT password yet. So I've not seen the <laughs> you, previous you, match. You already know what it is. It's the same as Stardom. <laughs> right. Uh, so um, there's uh, there's that. So uh, it made me want to see more of her. And uh, that is definitely a good thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty solid uh, women's world title match uh, overall. So uh, what do you guys think? I'll let you go first. Uh, it was it was fine. Like I agree with Zach that Thunder Rosa is contender dependent or whatever he said, opponent dependent. That's exactly right. This did nothing for me. I'll say this: the fact that they were saying that Yamashita was when she beat Thunder Rosa was an upset, kind of you know rubbed me the wrong way. Yamashita is basically the ace of. Tokyo with Josie Pro Wrestling. It would be like um, Tanahashi, you know, beating, filling the blank, and you calling it an upset. I just thought that was the only thing that was leading up to this match. That's the only thing that was wrong with it, at least from my point of view. I agree with Two Beer. The match was a little clunky. It felt like it was just a quick or two off. Neither here nor there. The right person won, obviously, but. I just have a problem with, at least for me, when I watch Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling on a regular basis, I don't think you did enough to build up the contender to have this person face Thunder Rosa as the champion. 
All right. You guys. Yeah. Think we, you I guys, do like. Go ahead. I, saying, I did love maybe my favorite part of the whole thing was uh, JR uh, just looking at her name and uh, just saying, <laughs> that young lady. <laughs> I say that one right there. That ain't done the Rosa. <laughs> He's old. He's old. And what was next? Old from Oklahoma. Uh, so Jericho hops on commentary for Tino Garcia versus Brian Danielson, which was an absolute like. This everything else like was good, good solid pro wrestling match. Um, then we get into this last main event, and it's big brain time. It's <laughs> Brian Danielson's big brain time. That's not a concussion joke uh, or even a reference, but this guy is so smart at putting together matches, and they just had an absolutely killer match that played up to both of their strengths. And Danielson is so good at just pulling on your heartstrings and we know about his issues with concussions. He starts selling his head. You know, it's a work because like, otherwise they're just going to like ding, ding, ding. And they're going to like rush off the air. Um, but it was still just absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, he's, he's selling like he has a concussion and Daniel Garcia does such a good job, uh, kind of having this conflicted feelings. Like, do I go after him? Um, you know, not like a total heartless bastard, basically like, Obviously, this guy respects the legend that he's in there with, uh, but he also has an opportunity to like beat this legend. Uh, so the storytelling was absolutely perfect, and we got um, you know Garcia uh, ends up you know like even like a DDT to the concrete where then Danielson blades, uh, and then he's just like working over his head even after that, and um, yeah, he ends up winning by submission after some very slight. Interference, uh, very big, slight, uh, man. That's fuckery. Call it for what it very is. Very slight, very slight. <laughs> In my ass. All of a sudden, a hand's gonna come out from underneath and then it's stop. Very slight, <laughs> man. Look, just because you that don't know, could have been symbolism for an Achilles or something. <laughs> just because you don't know who the cop, don't just because you don't know who the suspect is, doesn't mean that there's a suspect. Okay, it was swagger. After the fact, all right. Look, I agree with everything that two beers said. The fact that you have Brian Danielson coming back, he sells it every fucking time. It was so masterful. And the fact that now you put Daniel Garcia over, you know this ain't going to just be just a one-time match. But the fact that Brian Danielson, that to me is the, I agree with everything that two beers said, and I'll just take it that next step up. Brian Danielson putting Dan Garcia over is perfect. That's what you're supposed to do. I'll say this about Brian Danielson is that when this shit started and I was watching it, I saw there was 24 minutes left and I was like, oh, these guys about to have a match or there's going to be tons of fuckery after with the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Black Bull Combat Club, right? So I'm like, ah, wow, that sucks because this shit's going to happen. I was expecting that shit to happen the entire time. Instead, Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia told a completely compelling story within the ring. These are two guys that have never crossed paths before. And you know what they did? They told a good story within the 20 minutes that they were allotted. And then when Daniel Garcia won, it went off the air. And that's what I want from the, AEW. What the fuck just that? Oh, damn. That's I crazy. That's I don't crazy. want the schmas. <laughs> nope. You know, I want 
Okay, Daniel Garcia beat Brian Danielson, and it's off the air. JS comes down. They're you know they're celebrating and shit. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck it, just happened? It, it was perfect, <laughs> and it was a great match too because. As much as I like to frown on using head trauma as a storyline, it made sense. As it, it made me watch. Sense. It made me watch the match more right. close. Right. No, I, I'll agree with two beer. If it was bad, they would have stopped it. But even when you know, no, the whole thing was a work, though. Oh yeah, the whole thing was question, a work. Yes, but they got my ass. Yeah, they did. They did. And that's everybody acted just serious enough. Yeah. Even Dean Garcia, he gave that look where he felt like he was sad. He's like, "Do I really have to go put a move on this guy?" Yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to. And it was good. <laughs> uh, it was, you it have was, to break this motherfucker. It was a tremendous yeah, main event, and that's and that to me, that's kudos to Brian Danielson. All right, so we gotta keep it moving. Let's Do get to it. that. Let's get to hey, that three count. I am gonna quarterback you real quick. Yeah. We could do the three count of SummerSlam predictions since I never watched any G1 and I won't contribute anything. Yeah. And I can cut out and uh, make my family happier. Okay, so you want to do SummerSlam predictions? Yep, and then I'll cut out and you guys can talk to G1. Let's do them. Let's go to that three count. Audible, bitches. All right, so, well, let's let's get through these. Uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, the Mysterios versus Judgment Day. Ugh. Um, I'll go first. Um, no, we're not, we're not leaving just yet. Uh, I guess I don't even know. I don't even care. Um, fuck, I'll take Judgment Day. I have no idea why I'm taking them. It just sounds good. Zach, who you got? I uh, give me Judgment Day. Of course, it's Judgment Day. The Mysterios are not going to win. I'm taking Judgment Day too. So, oh shit! The Mysterios are going to win now. Uh, we have Logan Paul versus The Miz. Did you hear how dead that Madison Square Garden crowd was when Logan Paul was trying to get off as a face? I will go first. Logan Paul got his win at WrestleMania. I'm going with The Miz. He got Jason. Fuck! I don't, I don't even care. Um. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna go Logan Paul. I guess if you're gonna make him a baby face, you gotta establish it. Miz is is he he, he can't lose. He, he'll be fine. I'm going Logan Paul. Two beers, Zach Pullman. Give me Logan Paul. Going Logan Paul. Okay, so we have Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch at SummerSlam, which is the same place that Becky Lynch took the belt off of Bianca Belair. It was at SummerSlam. Okay. When you said same place, I'm like, it's the same stadium? What the fuck? No, I I don't care about stadiums. Who you got? I'll go first. I'm taking Bianca Belair. Ditto. Yep. Although, if I was agenting the match, I would definitely have her kick out of that uh, rock bottom. That'll be like the first move. If I was, you know, riding this motherfucker, Bailey needs to be coming down here and jumping bring Bianca after the fact. Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin. I'll let Jason go first. Uh, because I made that little sad face, I'll go first. I don't give a rat's ass about Baron Corbin. I'll take Pat McAfee. Zach, you're up. Oh, uh, man. Uh, this is tough. Um, 
McAfee. You're making it too tough. Yeah, I'm picking McAfee. There you go. All right. <laughs> Come on over to the dark side. I'm going to go Baron Corbin. I know you would. Pat McAfee is one in four in WWE matches. He was in the war games. He lost Adam Cole. He lost to Vince McMahon. The only person that he beat was Austin Theory. I'm taking Baron Corbin. McAfee can't lose anything by losing. No, putting too much really wrestler. Too much stock in uh, McAfee at this point. Baron Corbin just come and go as he pleases. All right, we'll go Bobby Lashley versus Theory. I'll go first. I'll go Lashley. <laughs> no reason. Uh, let's. I mean, let's just go. Yep, yep. Zach, who you got? Um, 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 what is this? Is this for the title? It's yes. for the U.S. title, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll uh, go Lashley. Yeah, I already wrote down your answer. Uh, no, you literally wrote down your answer. Okay, I was so watching who are you him. taking? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Lashley as well. Come on, man. How am I going to get the black eye? That's fair enough to think about, I guess. No, no. I mean, it might be case, something no. you might have to struggle with. So we got, <laughs> no. the, we got the Usos and Street Profits. No, okay, see, these two black guys, so they're, they're, now you got a problem with it. I'll go first. Um, oh, you don't count the Usos as black guys? Well, they're Samoan, so in this well, scenario... Well, I mean, from my perspective, they're not yeah, white. Yeah, so they're black. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, Ray Mysterio is a black guy to me. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> he just got a whole promo in Spanish after the fact, but he's black. Um, it's probably going to lead into what I think is going to happen in the main event, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and just throw it out there. I think the Usos are going to retain. It's just not time to break up the bloodline just yet. I get it. Bloodline's getting a little old. I'm, I agree with that too, but right now, the Street Profits are probably not the team, especially with Triple H on deck. Montez Ford is one of the guys that I think is a possible breakout star underneath the Triple H reign. So in that scenario, I would take the Usos retain. Uh, I'm going to take the Usos also, just because I don't see them changing course now uh, in the moment of turmoil. Uh, what you got, Zach? Uh, Usos for the same reason. Thrilling stuff here, guys. All right. So we got Liv versus Ronda Rousey. I'm taking Ronda Rousey. And the reason is uh, there's no reason to keep the belt on Liv. She's got to be an underdog. She's like Jonathan Gresham, except less good looking. Uh, (laughs) What the fuck? And if you're going to go into uh, the crash at the castle or whatever it's called you should probably have Ronda Rousey so I'm taking Ronda Rousey Jason who you take I'm gonna take Liv Morgan I'm gonna just go back on what we kind of said beforehand uh, I think this is gonna be Liv Morgan winning and it leads into a Ronda Rousey fl- flip heel turn and then you could take a Ronda, a Ronda Rousey come back to whatever it is um, Survivor Series blah 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 Liv Morgan is going to be at least the champion for the first time around. And then Zach, from that point, you, you can go. Uh, I'm going to take Liv. I don't necessarily think she wins, but I think she leaves with the title. <laughs> I mean, I agree completely. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm taking Ronda Rousey. So we got Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar apparently walked out on SmackDown last week. Does he want gone? Does he want to stay? Are they changing plans no. because Vince left? 
Oh, it's possible. Lead to Roman. I'll start it off. So who are you taking? I'm taking Roman Reigns. Not time. I wasn't sure if it was time to take the, the title off of Roman Reigns before Vince left. I'm damn sure now. I agree with whatever Bill said beforehand. Major changes are not going to happen right now. It only this solidified is a major it, change. It only solidified it more to me. I'm yep. taking Roman Reigns. Zach. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's just a safe bet at this point, and they might make some changes, but it ain't going to happen next week. All right. Everybody's got Roman Reigns. Well, I mean, damn. I was going to take Roman coming into it. Man. I mean, I took some I took some chances. You guys didn't really take any chances. I mean, you guys are all the same, all up and down. And I got three different ones, which means I'm going to win. Or I'm going to lose bad. Uh, Zach, say hi to your family. I will. Be careful, Zach. We'll talk next week. It was nice talking to you. We will see you next week on the podcast. Yep. I will watch Rick Flair's last match. I will watch SummerSlam. I will be caught up on the G1. Um, right. Better, come on, man. Come right on, man. Yeah, I was about to say, that's man hours, okay? I know what it is. You are talking like 15 man hours right Jason, there. Jason and I are going to do 15 minutes of talking G1 because he's got to go. My wife. Okay. Hey, Zach, talk to you later. Hey, is Larry there? Yep. Oh, Everybody's tell, here. Tell him I said hi. I will. Tell, uh, his wife, I said hi too. What's her name? Oh, you ain't shit. You <laughs> ain't and, shit. And you, you yep. are fucking is it Jungle Anne? Boy and Christian. All yes, it's Anne. One. No, I got it. It's Anne. You shit. Anne Everlyn. Tell him I said yep. what's up. I will. Beer, don't don't encourage this. Don't encourage that. <laughs> see you, two I'll beer. See you guys later. This is bad from ringside. Okay, oh, let's talk about some G one real fast for like. 10 yeah. minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's so go. there was some shit going on. Uh, night four, ZSJ versus Nare was very good. Loved it. Shingo versus Yoshihashi was very good. Loved it. Okada versus Yano. Yano decided to get serious. Right. <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking up. He's getting all mad and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then we had the match of the tournament so far, which was really? J.Y. versus Ishii. Yeah. What do okay. you think? Um, just quick night on night four. Yano coming out serious is always something good I like to see, but still, fuck Yano. Outside of that... It was pretty much what we thought it was going to be. ZSJ tapping out in Hanare. Good shit. I'm not going to say Ishii versus Jay White is the match of the tournament. It was really, really good. Oh, it's the match of the tournament thus far. You had... <laughs> no? Would you take Will Ospreay versus... Uh... Night one or night two. I was getting ready to say either one. I think... Okay. No problem with that. No, I'll say this. I, I agree with you the fact where... Yoshihashi loses to Shingo, but it wasn't like it was a glass of the dragon. No. It was Yoshi, literally like Yoshihashi quickly becoming my Yoshihashi, favorite dude. Yeah. Yoshihashi pushed Shingo. Plus, he always looks surprised. He's like this. <laughs> he pushed Shingo to the point where it was the row up win. I'm like, what the fuck? That just happened. It's not. It's not a knock against Shingo. 
Shingo won. He got the two points, but it was just a surprise for me. Night five, ELP versus Yujiro. We had Sonata versus Taichi, where Sonata went over. I was pissed off about that. Cobb versus Bad Luck Valet, which is, I mean, that is some pork belly. (laughs) And then we had uh, Naido versus Tanahashi. Which basically eliminates your boy. Okay, let's start with that first because it doesn't eliminate it, my boy. Because Ishii won, spoiler alert. It doesn't this, not eliminate your boy. But it, it basically means that, like I said last week, he has to run the table. It's one of those, it's the same kind of pinfall where. But you say he had to run the table last week and then he lost this week. So he didn't run the table. And now you're still saying he had to run the table? It's. If you. Ha- Trump shit, dude. <laughs> he would have to. He's got to run the table, and everybody has to lose at least two or three times. All right. He's not. He's probably not out mathematically, but it's going to take a lot of work to get his shit done. He's close to it. He's very close to it. Um, the only other problem I have with this night per se is I want to say I had a problem with it. EP ELP versus Yujiro. Peter goes off with ELP. We got to see where that goes here in 30 seconds. Cobb throwing around. Fale was amazing to see. Um, San, uh, Tanahashi, not Tanahashi, but Taishi versus uh, Sonata was a coin flip. Yeah, I'm going to be mad about fucking Naido, but it is what it is. If he's going to come back, this is just going to be the comeback that we're going to have to see coming through. Uh, night six, we had. Owens versus Great Khan. Owens goes over. Kenta versus Evil in a, I mean, you can't even call it a wrestling match. I mean, fuckery. Yeah, fuckery. <laughs> we had Lance Archer go over Tom Lawler in a very fun match, and Juice versus Finlay in a great match. Okay. Uh, what stands out? The great. main event, Juice versus Finlay, is one of those, is a match that you might not think that is, a, you know, one of these matches that should think be. Didn't Finlay was going to win. I didn't think Finlay was going to win, but it, it played into a good story. Juice went after the shoulder. Finley comes over and takes out the win. I thought this is one of the better matches of the tournament so far. Outside of that, I'll say th- this kind of creeping forward to night eight, night nine, evil beating Kenta with fuckery on the outside is not looking good for Naito as, you know, it's the Naito mark as the group. Okanen losing off with Chase kind of plays into Chase beating to being uh, Tanahashi last year. Outside of that, pretty much self-explanatory. Lance winning should be you know the 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 makeup for him with the countout loss of Fowley. Uh And then night seven, we have Will Osprey goes over Yujiro. Uh, Bad luck, Fowley goes over Yano, which was a match that. <laughs> I absolutely loved. Of course. Uh, Godo goes over Hanare, which was a match I absolutely loved. And then we had Ishii over Tamatanga, which was a really, really, really good match. Uh, what you think? Night 7, very underrated. I'll go uh, backwards forward first. Uh, the main event, I really like Tamatanga. I, I thought this was probably going to happen before the pandemic. The Tongans turned on... Uh, Blood Club, neither here nor there, but we're here now. I really wanted Tomatonga to win this shit, but Ishii winning it keeps him alive, so it goes to the Naido portion of my program. I don't know how the fuck Naido is going to beat Evil, but I'm holding out hope that Naido beats out Evil. Otherwise, Naido is definitely out at that point. 
Uh, Hanari with a really good performance against Goto. I think the right guy went over, but Hanari looked strong going out. Uh, Fale versus Yano kind of is what it is. Awesome though. Goto, Goto is undefeated at this point. He's at, you know top of the block with ZSJ. So I mean that's going to be something you got to watch out for. Looking forward, Will Ospreay going. You know he does what he's supposed to do. Peter comes back to Yujiro. Uh, so in that scenario, everything's good or is it? In this scenario, we're halfway through. Um, Nido is, is the only guy from my predictions that I have any worry about. A block. Uh, well, there's, only, there's only four. There's only three people with four points, and it's Saber Junior, Osprey, and Okada. Okada. Yep. Okay, so Okada should win the A block. JY should win the B block. Will Osprey should win the D block. Probably has a little, you know, hoop jumping to go with down the stretch, and the C block is kind of like I said, it's going. You said it was going to be the uh, the block of death. This might be a scenario where if if Naito wins, it's going to take three losses to get him in because he has two right now. This is banned from ringside. All right, we got, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Noam Dar, do you remember him? Of course, twenty nine. Uh, Nick Jackson. Is he the older one or the younger one? Do you know? <laughs> I was going to say, I know who Nick Jackson is. Can you map them out right now? No, he's 33. Nick Jackson uh, is not the one that's hurt. Sammy Guevara is 29. Captain Lou Albano would have been 89. Uh, Scott Steiner is 60. Marco Stunt is 26. Mike Kyoda. Just come on the podcast. He's very much alive. He's 56. Devon Dudley. You want to guess how old Devon Dudley is? Black don't crack. I'm going to take my age plus 10. I'm going to go 58. 51. Yeah. Yoshitatsu is 45. David Boy Smith Jr. is 37. Austin Theory this week is 25. And another Money in the Bank uh, winner is Damian Sandow is 40. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. For Vice, for Tender Mahal, for Patriot Pad, for Murray the Murray Man Murray, for Lucha Chris, for Sideways in Time. Yeah, check, because it's not the other. But yeah, we'll check it anyway. Forget anybody. Hey, nope. support your local weed dealers. Check. Because they're getting pushed out by these fucking <laughs> shops. Support your local restaurants. Double check. Support your local servers and bartenders. Triple check. For two beers, Zach Pullman. Check. For Jason Cornelius, Bill. I am Bill Vegas. Boo the heels. Boo. Bitch. <laughs>